Welcome back to Media's Performance Podcast. This week is a solo episode. Um, I thought I would do an episode on my own to address a common question that I keep getting and it keep, keeps reoccurring via email, face-to-face and um, in research as well. So I thought I'd tackle this today in a short episode. And really what I want to do is I want to focus on sleep before competition. This is a question, like I said, it keeps coming up over and over again, and that's what we're going to focus on today, is the sleep in the night before a competition. But before we get into this episode, uh, don't forget to follow us over at mediasconsulting.com.au. You can check out all our podcast episodes there. You can follow me on Instagram, at sleepforperform or at meliasforperform. You can also follow me on Twitter, at meliasforperform, that's the number, um, sorry, it's meliasperform, no number in there. Uh, do any numbers on the Instagram one and if you get a chance and you're enjoying the podcast we would really appreciate a review on your podcast app particularly on iTunes and if you have any questions any feedback please send them through has been a couple of comments about music (laughs) you know who you are Uh, I would love to have awesome music in this podcast intros outros even in the middle in actual fact I'd like to have a music podcast but you can't because of copyright so if anybody knows a way around that and you're a part-time lawyer, full-time musician, let me know and we can get around it. Um, but unfortunately, I'd love to have some great music on, guys, as intro, but can't at the moment due to copyright issues from what I've been able to find out. I know some podcasts do it, but um, I'm not that rich where I can get fined and lose my home or other things as well. Anyway. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to look at uh, sleep before a competition. Now, a competition could be a race if you're a triathlete, could be a run uh, if you're a runner, could be basketball game, and obviously uh, these things will vary across the day. So it could be early morning competition, could be midday, afternoon, or in the evening, or even late into the night. If you're a combat sports athlete, as an example. Now, all of those different timing of competition will obviously affect your sleep strategy. And that's kind of nearly a, a sub area of this. But what we're really going to focus on is in the sleep before the competition. But before we dig into that, it's really important to understand or know that in general, athletes actually don't sleep really well. We know from numerous studies in the general population that we should be achieving roughly seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And 95% of the population is going to need, you know, seven to nine hours per night. You're going to get some people going to need more than that. You know, we've got these outliers either side of this, and we're going to get some people who can get away with less. But those people that get away with less than six hours of sleep per night is probably less than 1%, even less than that again. Which is really interesting because everybody goes, oh, I get by on six. You might get by to function, um, but you might be walking around like a bit of a zombie. You might be at your full, you know, performance. You may not be running at your best, so to speak. And when people do kind of recover a sleep that they often report, oh, I feel really good after having a night's sleep. So that's a kind of a common sign of recovering from a sleep day. So like I say, um, athletes don't really sleep well. It is very common for athletes to have problems with sleep. Now, this is probably two parts looking at this. We actually found in research, and there is a limitation on this, but 
athletes tend to have just as many or just as much sleep disorders clinically as exist in the general population. So despite the fact that they are fit and healthy doesn't mean that they're immune to a sleep disorder. You know, we often see other athletes get cancer, have brain injuries, you know, other kind of uh, diseases out there. And just because they're fit and healthy doesn't mean they can't get these things as well. And sleep disorder is kind of the same, you know. Um, there's over 70 recognized sleep disorders and people can be uh, subject to these. The other thing we do see, which is something we're going to talk about today and we can try and, try and control a bit more, is sleep disturbances. And this, this is the issues about sleep before a competition. So about 88% of athletes uh, don't sleep well before competitions. And we, we see that uh, there's a lot of variation in, in sleep in general. On average, we see athletes reporting about from the studies by uh, Leader and Charlie Sargent, somewhere around six and a half to, to 6.8 hours. So definitely less than seven hours per night, just in general. Um, not to even talk about the night before. So when we look at the the literature, and I'm not going to kind of go through this exhaustively and give you a, a verbal lit review, but if we break it down into two parts, we look at individual athletes and we look at team-based athletes, we find that indiv- individual athletes tend to go to bed earlier overall, so their time of sleep onset is earlier. They tend to have high sleep latency, so it takes them a long time to fall asleep compared to people in the normal population. This may be due to, you know, training, Evening training, eating late in the evening, it could be behavioural, it could be alcohol, it could be caffeine, it could be a whole host of factors here affecting this as well. Sleep disturbances are up as well with individual athletes, sort of in general, um, but they're mainly attributed to anxiety and stress. With team-based activities or team-based sports, tend to go to bed later, and particularly uh, we've seen this in some of the research I've done in, in rugby where after a game, can be half two in the morning before athletes can even achieve sleep, some even later. Similar in AFL as well. I know Charlie Sargent found similar uh, findings there, as have other researchers. Sleep latency is also up here as well, so the time to fall asleep. And, um, you know, lots of uh, sleep disturbance issues, sleep disturbance issues here as well with athletes uh, in the team. So overall, the kind of picture of we see with athletes is that sleep is not great. Now, over the last 10 years, there has been a massive increase in sleep and performance, sleep and recovery-related research. Uh, people like myself, Michael Estella, Charlie Sargent, Madison Jones, we've got um, Amy Bender in the US, uh, Mita Singh, Michael Gradner. There's too many. Nathan Pitt and Pitchford. There's um, Spencer Roberts. There's loads of people. and I won't be able to list them all here, but it is a, a growing field, and it's great to see. And... Um, as you know, on the podcast, I try and get as many of those people on as I can to give them a platform to try and communicate some of their findings and also for me to learn a little bit more about the research that's out there in the field because I do find it quite interesting. So there is lots and lots of people in this field and it's growing and growing. And I think as we go on, we'll get more and more. And, and rightly so. It'd be great if we could get some better funding as well behind it from sports teams and the government. That being said, um, let's have a look at um, sleep disturbances and athletes. I'm going to kind of go through some stuff that I have put together from previous research. So prior to competition, sleep disturbances and and poor sleep quality is more prevalent in individual athletes compared to all other pre or post competition nights. So regardless of what's going on, it's the night before that seems to be the issue for individual athletes. On the night before, typically athletes are only getting five hours and 51 minutes of sleep with reduced sleep duration attributed to pre-competition anxiety, ambient noise around them, and awakenings to use the bathroom. 
Now, this is very common, particularly if you travel for events. Obviously, with the COVID situation, the one many people aren't traveling, but if you are traveling, you're in a different sleeping environment. It can take a while to get used to that. We also see in other literature as well for like business travelers that it can take like two or three nights to, you know, get used to a new sleeping environment. Um, you may even experience this if you've moved home or whatever it might be. Um, not to mention then the pre-competition anxiety, like we said, you know, especially for an individual athlete, everything rests on you as opposed to a team or you can maybe hide to a certain extent or it's not all on your shoulders. <clears throat> but the uh, the pre-competition anxiety for an individual athlete is quite different. And for any of you, those um, listening who have been individual athletes, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. And awakening to use the toilet as well. This seems to be quite common in triathletes and uh, ultra running and uh, something I've experienced myself. You tend to overhydrate um, before events, so you're constantly waking up to go to the bathroom and it could be a nervous thing as well. Athletes also experience sleep onset insomnia, so an, uh, difficulty falling asleep. So about 80% of athletes had this before, um, before a competition, so difficulty actually falling asleep. 77% of athletes wake up early due to nervousness and thoughts about the competition. And so these are all kind of, you know, markers or issues that are just time sucking or depleting the amount of time left for proper sleep duration now the research around this and related to performance is quite variable you know um reduced sleep duration in swimmers was related to poor physical performance in another study looking at sleep disturbance in athletes similar findings were reported with 64 percent of athletes reporting poor sleep in the nights prior to a competition with 82% finding it difficult to fall asleep due to nervousness and thoughts about the competition. Main, the main thing of these sleep disturbances seem to be attributed to the use of caffeine consumption in the hours prior to sleep, and in particular energy drinks on um, pre-workout drinks. So that's one that we could potentially look at as a strategy to minimize the amount of disruptions in our sleep before a competition or in the night's leading up to a competition. We can uh, reduce the the quantity and the frequency of those drinks. The other thing that sleep disturbances can be attributed to as well is an increased training load placed upon athletes, especially in the weeks or months leading up to competitive periods, whether it's in the Olympics or so on. It's quite common in combat sports. So people are training quite high, a high load, you know, and in uh, a recent um, book I was looking at by David Epstein called Range, actually found that, you know, elite athletes tend to train or practice that sport um, or that task, whatever way you want to describe it, roughly between 14 to 16 hours a week. So a lot of time spent on it and even more for some others. Similarly, again, as we're talking about Olympians, uh, elite Olympian athletes uh, showed 64% of them reported sleep disturbances prior to a night of a competition. Elite Super Rugby Union players also experience a delay in time to fall asleep in the nights prior to the game and later times of sleep, as we said. And during sustained periods of competition, so like if you're playing lots of games back-to-back or lots of races, the prevalence of insomnia doubled, particularly in hockey players. We found this as well. So lots of stuff here kind of probably backing up exactly um, what people are thinking. But I think it's important to kind of, you know, depict or communicate some of the issues that are occurring. So, number one, you don't feel like you're 
on your own, you're not Robinson Crusoe, it's not just unique to you, happen to cross all sorts of athletes. And that's why I spoke about different sports there and different levels. So it is quite common, that's first of all. So some of the treatments that are out there that people have used from the literature, things like sleep restriction, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and pharmacotherapy for, uh, you know, around insomnia issues. And we had Michael Gradazara on recently talking about insomnia, so you might want to listen to that. An increase in sleep duration and a reduction of uh, insomnia symptoms have been reported when practicing yoga, relaxation techniques, tai chi, or using relaxing music. Now, I know some people like it and some people don't, so you might have to play around and see what works best for you. There's lots of good yoga things on um, YouTube now these days, especially after COVID. Lots of like 10, 15, 20 minute little clips that you can you can do or even just stretching before going to bed. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy is also better than using medications. So don't jump from medication straight away for the nights leading into a game. And also, as we said before in this podcast and with other athletes as well, be careful that it's not on the banned substances list. You may look at your environment as well. Look at the... Um, you know, the uh, the levels of, uh, I suppose, heat or cooling, whatever is appropriate for you, and lighting as well, any sort of uh, distractions. And uh, some people are getting some really good results with breathing techniques as well. And we had uh, Jason Donaldson on previously talking about breathing, and we also had Rob Wilson on as well talking from the art of breath. And you may have heard lots of stuff from Wim Hof recently. So again, you could try any of these type of things to help you in the nights before. Uh, been a few novel ones around as well, like use of uh, binaural beats as well in soccer players. Some people, you know, showed that there were some benefits there, but there hasn't been many things done on it. You can also look at some sleep hygiene practices, which are also good. And, um, you know, this will be things like consistent time to bed, avoidance of caffeine within six hours of sleep onset, no stimulating activities, exercise, work or exposure to electronic devices within an hour of your proposed sleep and focus on your nutrition as well and hydration prior to sleep. So really you don't want to be going to bed kind of hungry or thirsty or you don't want to be waking up, going to the bathroom uh, lots of times as well. Now if we look at this from, um, you know, we've kind of shown the issues that happen to athletes, some of the novel kind of um, treatments that people can employ or use to improve that sleep. If we look at the sleep loss and its effect on athletic performance, it is kind of what I would describe as being a bit wobbly. Not every study shows an effect on it. So um, you can look at sleep loss or sleep restriction over a long period of time, which might be an endurance event over multiple days or in the military. So for the purpose of this, we're going to look at sleep loss for 24 hours or less on athletic performance. So, Because this is more common um, in athletes. So the night before a race or a swim or whatever it might be, or a team sport. So one night of sleep deprivation, which would be, you know, fully hours of deprivation, so to have no sleep, This these these um, research findings show that reduced performance in running athletes during a 30-minute treadmill test compared to a night of healthy sleep. So that's if you miss out on one night of sleep. They ran shorter distances in the 30 minutes compared to when they had, you know, a full night of sleep and one night of sleep deprivation also raised oxygen uptake and carbon dioxide production although it did not result in any change to heart rate or vo2 max during testing so what we're talking about there is completely having you know zero sleep we keep someone up all night let's say 24 hours and then we repeat the test and there was a reduction probably not surprising to find that 
um, in this. What's probably more common in athletes, though, is having a sleep restriction of three hours per night. And in this study here, for three consecutive nights, which was in weightlifters, um, there was a result in, uh, this resulted in a reduction in strength performance. Now, this may be more representative of what athletes may experience because the night before a competition in individual athletes or after a competition with team sport athletes, they might lose out on, you know, up to three hours of sleep. But the timing of that sleep loss is also interesting because sleep loss in athletes earlier on the night, sort of between, let's say, 11 p.m. to 3 o'clock in the morning uh, or later in the night from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. affects aerobic performance. So we can look at it from these periods as well. Sleep loss during these periods does not affect anaerobic performance, so there's no findings on that. And if you look at sports like judo, where partial sleep deprivation occurred at the end of the night, so early in the morning between 3 and 6, athletes had a reduction in muscle power as measured by the Wingate test. And hand grip strength, which is one of the core aspects of judo, obviously could be pulling and dragging on the opponent's kimono or gi, was not affected. And sleep loss between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning resulted in more sleep disturbances for the athlete, which may negatively affect individual athletes more than team sports and associate with pre-training fatigue levels. In another study done with Taekwondo athletes, they did not demonstrate any changes in aerobic performance when deprived of sleep between 11pm and 3am or 3am and 6am. Cognitive performance is also affected during these periods of sleep loss. Um you know, from 11 to 3 and 3 to 6. And um, it kind of shows that maybe, you know, reaction time uh, was affected from the early sleep restriction, sleep deprivation between 11 and 3, whereas sleep deprivation between 3 and 6 in the morning was more related to an effect on constant attention. So kind of the message there from all of that information, when you look at it from a physical perspective, physical performance perspective, and a cognitive performance perspective, is that those results are kind of, they're varying, you know, how we measure performance. And so then if you look towards military type things, when you look at elite elite sort of uh, special forces and people in ultra running events, they have the tendency then to override those things and push through it. So it's going to depend on a lot of other factors as well, which kind of you know, pardon the pun, lie outside the sleep field, you know, about grit, determination, probably your personality type and, and so on as well. So lots of different variation in that. Many people do report that when they have a bad night's sleep before that they feel like their their uh, performance is going to be affected. Now, if you're doing a long kind of endurance event, like a long distance swim, a triathlon or a long distance run 50 k's or more, the degree of that vary of the variation or degree in performance uh, to the, sorry, the degree of variation in performance, it might actually be that much because it's such a long event. But if it's a 100-meter sprint, it might be more likely to, um, you know, show itself within that. That being said, um, there's still a lot of work to be done in this area and still lots of things to be quantified in relation to athletes. Um, and there's a number of papers here I haven't even discussed, you know, related to the type of um, activities such as rugby, combat sports, and so on where it maybe got to do with um, other sort of uh, markers of recovery as well. But in general, in regards to sleep, my advice would be from looking at the literature, working with athletes, and sort of practical applications that we have done in the past that have worked would be, don't just focus on the night of sleep before the competition. What you need to do is really focus on 
your sleep overall and particularly in the training phase. So first of all, I would say if you're doing a training program for six to eight weeks before an event, make sure that you steadily or progressively increase the training load. Don't go from two hours a week to 15 because you're going to increase injuries, sleep disturbances, and it's just going to be pretty shit, really. Um, The other thing you want to do then as well is you want to focus on adequate amount of time for sleep. I would say to every athlete that I will work with, that you would need to schedule in at least 10 hours of sleep. Just like you schedule in your training in the morning from 10 o'clock to maybe 12 o'clock midday, and then you have a lunch break, and then you schedule in a massage, and you schedule in another activity in the afternoon, whatever it might be, you need to schedule in a sleep period. And that sleep period for 10 hours gives you enough time to wind down, relax, listen to some music, stretch, roll, relax, go to bed, have enough time to fall asleep, get seven to nine hours of sleep and wake up nice and easy in the morning as well. In addition to that, you may want to look at your sleep timing because getting up at sort of four and five o'clock in the morning may not be the best thing for you. And if it is, and that's where you feel like you're the best or that's all you have to work with, then you have to make some improvements on the other end of your sleep period. But it may be very hard to fall asleep before 9 p.m. and the night before due to what's called the wake maintenance zone, which is another episode in itself. So prior to sleep, really focus on achieving seven to nine hours of sleep and scheduling in 10 hours of a sleep opportunity because time in bed and sleep duration are two different things. So time in bed or sleep opportunity of 10 hours to try and get seven to nine hours of sleep. The night before, the day before an event, I would really just focus on relaxing, stay off your legs as much as possible, lie down, take naps. If you can't have a nap, just lie there quietly, do something that's relaxing, that's going to basically bring your nervous system back down you're not going to be getting hyped up you don't want to be walking around town um the day before a triathlon a triathlon um you know looking in gift shops you want to just be chilling out ensuring that you're you know you're adequately hydrated hydrated um depending on the advice from your nutritionist dietitian you should have been carbo loading within the previous 24 to 48 hours anyway of an event so you probably focus on that and just making sure that your gear is ready and maybe doing some mental rehearsals you know some visualization before the event when you go to bed just relax like don't try to um use some of these techniques that we spoke about breathing you know music whatever it might be maybe listen to this podcast might send you asleep whatever it is use it to help you relax before the competition and when you do wake up the next morning if you've had a bad night's sleep or you had to get up really early don't stress about it this is the day that you've you've been preparing for You've spent, you know, six to eight weeks training for this or maybe more. You've been focused on your sleep. You know, for 99% of your training leading up to this, you have been doing the right things. And that's why I say I don't focus on the night before, focus on the entire training period. And you may want to keep records of your training load um, um, progression, your sleep, your recovery, even if it's on your self-reported scales and just some numbers. Because when you are feeling a bit nervous, you can look back at that and say, right, I've allowed myself 10 hours every night for sleep. I progressively increased my training load 10% every week. I've, you know, trained between 10 and 12 hours, whatever it might be. And I've got one day here and I've got all the time to recover after this. So it's as much as just as much about putting yourself in the mindset for this. So I hope that kind of helped in in terms of framing the problems that athletes have. And you probably realize from listening to that, that kind of 
all of us are in the same boat. Whether you're an amateur athlete, a sub elite, elite, Olympian, highly paid, professional, whatever term you want to put on it, we all have these issues. So I hope um, this helped frame some of the issues around it, maybe give you some ideas for improvement around it as well. And then also we spoke a little bit there about the variation in performance and the outcome from that as well. So it's going to take a bit of a trial and error for you. This is probably good that I focused on this this week because in the next, uh, between the next four and 12 days, so today is a Wednesday, sometime in the window between this Saturday and next Saturday, I will undertake my longest solo endurance swim that I've ever done, which will be swimming to Rottnest Island, which is approximately 20 k's uh, off the coast here of Perth in Western Australia. So I'll be undertaking that in the next, uh, the next week or so. And, uh, I have to be awake that morning at 3am. Now, I'm not going to get up every morning at 3am to practice that. I'm just going to slog through it on the day. But now this week and the weeks before, I've been really focused on, you know, getting that sleep, not doing too many early morning sessions, tapering off slightly as well, making sure I get massage, making sure I'm ready. But I know I'm going to be tired when I wake up in that morning at 3 o'clock. We'll start swimming at 5 and I'm hoping to be done by midday. And then I'll have weeks to sit back and sleep, relax, and feel a bit smug as well <laughs> after doing that swim. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll be practicing some of these things myself over the next few weeks. Now, if you are still struggling with your approach to your sleep and uh, focused on, um, you know, the pre-competition phase, the competition and the recovery phase or over a season, we do offer services here at Amelia's Consulting about around this. We will be having an online shop where you can book in and do this over the next few weeks. Uh, it should be up live if at the latest after Christmas. So we have that nearly ready to go. We're just working on some back-end things. But you can email me at ian.dunican at meliasconsulting.com.au and we go through a series of steps there where we work with you individually to set out those plans. And we've done that already with um, you know, elite racing drivers in Formula One. We've done it with AFL athletes. We've done it with rugby athletes and super rugby, long-distance ultra runners, uh, UFC athletes, uh, a number of different uh, people across the board and even in shift work as well. So if you are an amateur athlete and you're working in shift work and you're trying to get ready for a race or an event, we've got experience on, on both sides of that fence there as well. So that process involves, um, you know, quite in-depth uh, survey online where you get a report back immediately from that. We then use that survey then to, as part of a one-hour consultation that we do via Zoom, which we can record as well for your reference. And then you get a, a brief statement of advice after that consultation, you know, one to two pages that summarizes the actions for you out at that will help your performance as you go forward. So if you're interested in that, just let us know. You can email me, like I said, a shop will be up there in a few weeks where you can buy that there, add it to the cart and the whole system will be automated. But in the meantime, you can contact me to book in those. Uh, we've got a few more open there before Christmas and um, yeah, we'd uh, lo always love working with aspiring athletes or amateur athletes or those trying to hit a goal and particularly in the new year, this might be uh, something you might like to do or you might like to buy it as a Christmas present for somebody. That's good too as well. All right. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, I hope you found that informative and beneficial. Um, as always, follow us on meliasconsulting.com.au, Instagram and uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, all those type of areas you can find us on. Just search Melias Consulting. And uh, also stay tuned to the LinkedIn page and the website because we've got some new things at the moment. We've got these uh, what's called scientific breakdowns. So the Melias Scientific Breakdown 
and we release one of those every week and we take a paper whether it be from an occupational health and safety or a sleep area or performance area we break it down into like just uh, three to four slides so keep an eye on that um, because we've got a few of those out they'll be up on the website we've had a bunch of papers accepted recently for publication in shift work uh, basketball around educating athletes in basketball in regards to sleep we've had some medical papers produced around using actigraphy um, and we've got a bunch more coming out in the new year as well that are currently under review so we'll be uh, writing some blogs around that so keep following us for up-to-date information all right i'm gonna cut it here thank you very much hope that was helpful and until next time sleep well